Pastor Ed Taylor observes the gift of teaching in the life of Jesus. You never see Jesus gathering people by a miracle. You never see, now people were attracted there, but he was teaching. He would walk by flowers. And you guys see those flowers? There's a lesson in those flowers. You see the birds flying? I've got something to tell you about the birds. Do you remember this in the Old Testament? This is what it means right now. And he would take the opportunity to bring people to the knowledge of who God is and who he is as Messiah. Why? For one reason and one reason only. Jesus came as a doctor to the sick to save us. And the Bible says that we're all sin sick in our lives. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Get ready to learn about our spiritual gifts today on Abounding Grace and specifically the gift of teaching. Maybe you've wondered, is that your gift? Well, we'll see what this gift looks like in a life in just a moment. In essence, it's the gift of explaining the truth so that others can understand it and apply it to their lives. And Pastor Ed Taylor will draw attention to the gift as seen in Jesus, too. I think you'll get a lot out of it. Take your Bibles, open them to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, as we're learning about our spiritual gifts, we're learning what these seven primary spiritual gifts are, how every believer has been given one when they were born again. Some have been given more, but one really moves you, one really inspires you, one really motivates you. And they're listed here in verse 6 of Romans chapter 12. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, let us use them. And we looked at the first gift, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. We learned that the definition of this gift is declaring the truth. Declaring the truth. God has given some men and women in the church the supernatural ability to take his word and cause it to shine and speak directly to a person for a specific thing in their lives. Secondly, we learned that ministry or service is the next gift in verse 7. If it's ministry, then let us use it in our ministry. That was our last teaching, and we learned that ministry is also known as the gift of service. And while prophecy is declaring the truth, the gift of service or ministry is practicing the truth. God will have you in the body practicing the truth in very practical ways. And we learn that God has given some men and women in the church the supernatural ability to serve. And you serve your heart out as unto the Lord. That's what comes natural to you. The next spiritual gift that's listed, number three in verse seven, is he who teaches, let him teach. Or he who teaches in teaching. And remember, we're going to follow a familiar pattern in each of these studies. First of all, we're going to look at the biblical definition of the gift and give you some insights on what, a te- what this gift looks like in your life. Secondly, we're going to look at the gift operating in the life of Jesus. Thirdly, we're going to look at this gift operating in the life of the early church. 
And then finally, we'll look at some of the dangers or the pitfalls that you need to understand in your life as you exercise your gift, if you happen to have the gift of teaching. So here's the definition. Number one, the definition of teach, the gift of teaching is explaining the truth. Explaining the truth. God has given some men and women in the church the supernatural ability to teach the Bible in a way that it can be understood in its meaning, but also understood in how to apply it to our lives. The word for teaching here is the Greek word diadosko, and it literally means to instruct or to teach by the word of mouth. So we learned as we divided the gifts that this is a verbal gift, primarily. You certainly do teach by example, but the exercise of this gift is primarily a verbal gift that God has given to some to explain the truth of his word. The idea is of a person that has information and desires, de- desires to deliver it in such a way that both influences and changes the mind of the person receiving it. One of the things I like to teach the men here as I'm discipling them is that when you teach, you, when you teach the Bible in particular, you're teaching for life change. That's the whole point. You're not teaching to convey a bunch of knowledge. You're not teaching so that everybody knows the Hebrew and the Greek. You use all of those, and the end goal is life change, to participate with God in the sanctifying process of the Holy Spirit. And that, that's how God, God uses his word through the Spirit to change us. And how are we being changed? But the Bible says that we are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So the way you can measure how much you've learned is how much you're becoming like Jesus in your life in very real practical ways. How he is living now his life in and through you by your surrendered obedience to him. The Christian that teaches is divinely gifted with a special ability to interpret and present God's word understandably. In comparison to prophecy, while the gift of prophecy is God's ability to proclaim the word through a gifted person, the gift of teaching is God's ability to systematically and regularly instruct someone through the word of God as it is taught. And we thank God for teachers. We thank God for spiritual teachers within the ministry that are able to take the hardest of topics and simplify them for us so we'll understand them. How? Gifted teachers that are able to take a book that is rooted in history, a factual book, the Bible, that takes us back centuries of life, but bring it alive right here in the culture and the year in which we live. But the gift of teaching, the spiritual gift, is not limited to just Bible teaching. Because some of you are very gifted teachers, but teaching within the church or Bible study isn't where God has you. He has you in different places. Maybe you're homeschooling your kids. You're teaching within the public school system, perhaps. Maybe you're a trainer at work. In all of these areas, there is a level of understanding where you are trained. So you went to school for teaching. They te- taught you, you know, early child development, learning styles, and all of those things, which is a great foundation, and you use those in your everyday life. When God gives you then the supernatural gift, he enhances your training. He doesn't replace it. And now you're able to see things not just in the practical realm, but also in the spiritual realm so that you really understand. One of the ways that manifests is you really understand that the kids in your life or the people in your life really need to know the Lord. I I see this in my own life for many years. uh, When I was in the corporate world, part of my responsibility was to travel the country and train 
and, and do corporate training, all kinds of stuff. I train, you know, sexual harassment. I train how to use new software. I train how to be nice in the, in the workplace. It's amazing. You have to go around and go, okay, this is how you are nice to one another when you work. But that was my responsibility. I had a whole curriculum, and I went. And, and the supernatural gifting of teaching in my life wasn't just to convey the information, um, because that actually was the easier part. The, 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 the supernatural gifting of teaching that manifested in my training days was really caring about people and looking for an inroad, not just to give them information, but to see if the Lord might open a door that might give them the gospel. And t- tailor all of those things, uh, no pun intended, <laughs> to make sure I would take those things and adapt them to who was in front of me that I might build some relationships, as we'll see in a little bit later. The person with the gift of teaching, here's some characteristics to look for. You often love to study and to read. Learning is very important to you. You might even have a hunger to research things and to dig deeper. There's a joy that you spend in learning. Now, for some of you, you can look back and go, I don't like learning at all, and I don't like reading at all. And, and you can still be a teacher, but those that have the gift of teaching generally have a love to learn and dig deep. They have a tremendous feeling of joy, and they love in helping people learn and understand things. The way that might look is that if it takes them 100 hours to ju- a preparation just to teach one hour, that isn't seen as a loss at all, but a gain because the hour was productive and you just spent your time wanting to learn something. A person with the gift of teaching generally doesn't want people to leave their presence without a clear meeting of the minds on the topic that was just ex- discussed. So, so you want to make sure that when you're explaining something to someone that they get it. And, and that's, you just, like, if they don't get it, it kind of it frustrates you. What do you mean you didn't get it? Well, how can I help you this way? Teachers like to explain things. It, they like to explain how things work. And many times they're very much involved in the details. Usually more details than anyone really wants to know. But that's how you are. You want to know enough about the subject where you can give it and explain it to someone uh, in front of you. If you have the gift of teaching, you usually place a high priority on accuracy and detail. For example, some of you are able to spot typos and grammar errors everywhere you go. You can't help it because that's a part of your life where you like accuracy and detail. Teachers generally bring you are brought great joy when you notice that someone understood what you were trying to explain to them. You sometimes have a hard time, this is a good one, sometimes you have a hard time giving a simple answer to a simple question. This happens to me all the time on on Calvary Live when somebody calls a radio and they ask, hey, Pastor Ed, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Great question. It's a simple answer. A simple question, simple answer. You know what the simple answer is? The Bible doesn't say That's a simple answer. But is that the only answer I give? Of course not. Then I start walking through, you know, the Bible doesn't say, and then what about this? And if you think about this, and maybe, and then you just, like, all they want to know is yes or no. But for me, I see it as an opportunity to teach them a little bit of how to ask questions in the future, how to answer the question in the future. Here's what this guy said, and this is what this guy said. And when you get to heaven, you'll be able to find out. 
And now while nobody says that, after they hung up, they're probably saying, I just asked the guy a yes or no question. That's teachers. That's teachers. You want to explain things. You want to give more information sometimes than even what is asked. As a teacher, the gift of teaching often manifests as, as asking a lot of questions. You're a person that asks a lot of questions. You're curious almost to a fault because you really want to learn about the topic. Again, this is illustrated in my life. When Marie and I visit a museum or we have the privilege of being somewhere where we haven't been before and we're going to take a tour, as I'm going through a museum, I'm kind of, when I walk in the door, I'm just kind of thinking about the exit. You know, I'll go in and I'll see the exhibits and I'll walk through. And before you know it, I don't have Marie at my side anymore. I'm way ahead. And where is she? She's still at the first exhibit reading every single word that they said about this particular time. So that by the time we get home, you know, maybe a vacation, um, she'll say, well, we'll see someone on TV. And I go, oh, I didn't know that. And she'll go, we didn't know that. Didn't you read the, no, babe, I didn't read the, I have you. What do I need to read that for? You can tell me whatever I need to know. And in that case, that's one of the, her strengths where she just likes to learn, learn, and she'll read everything. And, you know, I think I've become Google crippled over the years where I just Google it. Isn't that what you do? Yeah, come on. But don't trust everything you read on the internet. If you're a teacher, you generally have self-discipline. And it's very noticeable and apparent in your preparation time. You're teaching, someone with the gift of teaching, uh, when it comes to the Bible, you like looking for Bible answers. You like digging deeper. You like the inductive Bible study courses that we bring. And you like the K. Arthur studies where you can go deeper, 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 which is great. Uh, You might even be accused of always having your nose in that book. If you have the gift of teaching, you notice lacks in information. Like when information's lacking, you notice that. You see it right away and immediately begin, to, immediately begin to plan how to help get the right information to the right people. It might even move you into a place of service so that things are covered more thoroughly in your present church. And it's not just teaching a class, but you just have an eye for things and you want to fix things. It seems like if you have the gift of teaching, it seems like you can quickly figure out what that sentence or paragraph means when you read something. Uh, Another way of looking at that, you pick up on things pretty quickly. You can learn things quick, and then you can also digest it and then deliver it to someone. When you have the gift of teaching, we'll get into this a little bit later uh, when we look at the pitfalls. But when you have the gift of teaching, you generally don't like it when people don't understand you. Because you've spent all that time, and you're like, I explained it to you, and I still don't get it. And, And those are some of the characteristics you can look for. Now, for Jesus... How did this gift operate in our Savior, Jesus? Well, understand, Jesus' ministry, the primary goal of his ministry, the primary thing he did in his ministry was teach. He was a teacher. He was often referred to as a teacher. When many people look at the life of Jesus, and and I think in some cases in the church today, they've got it upside down. They they think Jesus came for all the signs and wonders and, and, and all the things that would follow him. And that's not at all what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to teach in a way that's understandable today, although I don't really like, like how it's phrased. But let me say it to you and I'll explain. The Christian religion is a religion of teaching and learning that leads to obedience. Now, I don't like the phrase Christian religion so much because it's a relationship with the Lord. But the following of Jesus is a teaching-learning-obedience relationship. That is, I mean, it's very much like parenting. Teaching, learning, obedience. That's how relationships grow. 
Jesus himself would say, come and learn of me. It's a teaching ministry. We, Jesus' primary ministry was to teach. Some churches today, they have all create, you know, services and look at this and look at this, all the signs and wonder and, and draw people's attention and then never teach them the Bible. That was not Jesus. You never see Jesus gathering people by a miracle. You never see, now people were attracted there, but he was teaching. He would walk by flowers. And you guys see those flowers? There's a lesson in those flowers. You see the birds flying? I've got something to tell you about the birds. Do you remember this in the Old Testament? This is what it means right now. And he would take the opportunity to bring people to the knowledge of who God is and who he is as Messiah. Why? For one reason and one reason only. Jesus came as a doctor to the sick to save us. And the Bible says that we're all sin sick in our lives. Sin has crushed all of our lives. And Jesus came to heal us. But the number one thing you'll know when you're sharing the gospel with people is they have to come to to their own conclusion that they have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not enough for the Bible to say we have sinned, but in order for you to enter into a relationship with God, you have to be able to say, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the only remedy, you go, when you come to the conclusion of I'm sick, then, then where does the remedy come from? Well, the Bible says that the remedy for sin sickness is the blood of Jesus Christ. His life, death, and resurrection. That, that's the only remedy. When you learn that, then now you're able to respond to that. I mean, is that your life today? Do you find yourself in this building, right here in this room? Are you downstairs watching on a TV? Are you out in your car recognizing your separation from God? That separation is because of sin. And the only way, there's no other way. There's a lot of offers. There's many offers in our world of come here for salvation and come here for salvation. Join our religion. Read our books. Jesus is the only way. He says, I am the only way, truth, and life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And you ask the question, well, wait a minute, Ed. Wait a minute, Pastor. Are you telling me that all those other religions are wrong? Yes. On the authority of God's word. That's exactly what I'm saying. That Jesus declared, and I believe, and he testified by his own death and resurrection, that he's the only way. And Jesus beckons you to come and learn of him, his love for you. The Bible says this, God demonstrated his love. He didn't talk about his love, but he demonstrated how? That while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, for you and me. For some of you, you had the privilege of growing up in a godly home and, and God has saved you at a young age and it prevented you from going into all kinds of ugliness in life. Thank him for that. That's your testimony. That God gave you a godly, he, he entrusted to you a godly heritage. For the others of you, salvation is very dramatic, isn't it? As God ripped you out of the clutches of sin, out of the clutches of rebellion, which could be a variety of different behaviors and attitudes but it's rooted in your fallen nature, your sin sickness. And God declares to you today a way out, a way of escape. In just a few moments, you'll have an opportunity. And you don't even need to wait for the opportunity, but I'll give it to you anyway, where you can confess your sin, believing in your heart 
the depths of who you are, that God has been raised from the dead, confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus. The Bible promises that you will be saved. Now, we're not going to go through a variety of scriptures. It wouldn't take much for you to just flip through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, to see Jesus teaching everywhere all the time. But for the sake of of note-taking, you can look at Mark chapter 1, you can look at Mark chapter 6, you can look at Mark chapter 12, and on and on I could have gone throughout the gospel of Mark, Matthew, or Luke. But I do want to show you just one, because the teaching ministry was from the moment of creation, all that time until Messiah came, then the teaching of Jesus, even from his birth all the way through. I mean, the Bible even declares Jesus as a little kid in the temple teaching those wise scribes and Pharisees and rabbis. But even after his resurrection, Jesus taught. Let me show you what I mean. Turn over to Luke 24. Luke chapter 24. Even after his resurrection, Jesus taught. And he taught these two men that were on the road to the city of Emmaus. They were bummed out and discouraged. And notice with me, beginning in verse 13, it speaks of Jesus. Well, first it says, it introduces to the men. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. They talked together of all these things that had happened. And so it was while they were talking, or some of your Bibles say conversed, and they were reasoning that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. This is after his resurrection. And then he begins to draw out from them by these leading questions, what's going on, getting them to talk. And then notice in verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wouldn't you like to have been there for that Bible study? Because that's what the word expounded is. He, he taught them the Old Testament scriptures and pointed out from Genesis 1-1 all the way to the end of Malachi where he was in the Old Testament. Because Jesus is all throughout the scriptures. He is predicted and prophesied a future coming in the Old Testament and that coming has been fulfilled in the New Testament. Because there is also another move in the church today, unfortunately... Another move in the church today that is downplaying the systematic teaching of the Word of God, especially the Old Testament. I was recently listening to a study not too long ago where the pastor was really downplaying teaching the Old Testament. He says, you need to be teaching the New Covenant. You need to be teaching the New Testament. You don't need to be teaching about David. You don't see Jesus with David. What? David is a type so many times of Jesus Christ in his life. We need the Old Testament. Jesus used the Old Testament. You know, for the first 300 years of the New Testament church, before the canon of Scripture of the New Testament was finished, you know what they studied? The Old Testament. They studied the Old Testament. And we, we go through the Scriptures ourselves, the Old and the New. God has given us the whole Bible to to develop the whole Christian. And we happen to be in Samuel right now on Wednesdays here to encourage you and go through the Bible. Jesus taught through the Old Testament. 
Thank you for joining us today as we study through the Gospel of John and learn of God's abounding grace. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Are you interested in hearing this again? It's easy to do when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. All this month, we're featuring an excellent book by Scott Sauls titled, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen. We all have regrets, hurts, and fears, and they can weigh us down, even make us feel like there's no way out. In Beautiful People Just Don't Happen, you'll learn how God redeems regret, hurt, and fear in the making of better humans. And we'll send it your way for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. Or order it online at calvaryco.store. And thank you for your support, as it allows us to bring the teaching of God's Word to stations like this every day. We're constantly hearing from folks all over the world that are being blessed, and your gifts help to make that possible. You can donate through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Here's a question. How has Abounding Grace blessed you? We want to hear. And it's easy to share your thoughts and prayer requests at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage and connect with us. We'll return to the Gospel of John next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.